so good to see you tonight. Thanks for coming. I know you're busy. Everybody's uh, got very busy schedules, but we took the time to come hear the Word, so we're blessed. There's something about the equipment that we have as believers. We have His Word. We have His authority. We have His name. Uh, you're laden with equipment to do the works of Jesus right before His return. Isn't it great that He, he put His presence in us, and then He authorized us and said, okay, you're going to be there for me. So we have a job to do before we leave, and we, we're getting into how close we are to leaving, but all the more we focus on, wow, there's stuff for us to do. So let's enjoy our lives. And remember the whole purpose of this morning about how close we are with all the signs and everything is he just loves you. He loves you and wants to bless you, wants to strengthen you, wants to encourage you, and he's not mad at you. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm so blessed to be with your pastors. They're so normal. I was telling them that at lunch today. Uh, You're blessed. You're blessed. I mean, normal is so cool. So I know you got great things ahead. I can't wait to see the helicopter pad and the, uh, I don't know what you're going to do next, but whatever it'll be, it'll be cool. And uh, it'll be fun. So uh, I love that people can come in and see Jesus and see how normal he is, that he's not strange or crazy. He's, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So how blessed are we, though, to be living when the technology's here that you can, I mean, I get um, updates from the Jerusalem Post, you know, rockets firing from Gaza into Syria, I mean, into Israel's southern border. And uh, just this last week, it was 460 rockets. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy how everybody surrounding Israel wants to annihilate Israel. And other nations don't think that's a big deal. They're just quiet about it. I mean, that's supernatural in itself. <laughs> I mean, so, so, so much is happening with Iran. So much is happening with Turkey. Watch Turkey in the days ahead. There's something about a, a part that Turkey plays and, and being a platform for the Antichrist. You'll see Erdogan do things that you'll go, why would he do that? That's the pr- president of Turkey. And there's just little things kind of forming into position because we're getting so close. So let's uh, pick up where we left off this morning. And uh, we, we won't preach too long tonight, but I want you to be, get everything you're supposed to get. So we'll get into the Word and we'll do a little bit of review. So grab your Bibles, turn back to Luke 21, and we'll pick up here. And uh, we'll, let's pray and we'll get right into it. Lord, we're so grateful for your Word tonight. Thank you that we can devour your Word as a meal. Thank you for this church, Lord, what you've given this church, Lord, in the last days. We, we embrace what you have for us, Lord. We thank you for an accelerated pace right here before you return. I thank you for blessings upon every household. Their jobs are blessed, their kids are blessed, families are blessed. I thank you for supernatural peace on all the homes represented here, Father. And Father, as we have that peace and we have great strength and great joy, help us run our race. Help us do exactly what you've called us to do so that people can see Jesus. Lord, we're once again amazed that you let yourself be beaten for us. So we honor you, Jesus. We glorify you. Thank you that death could not hold you down. So we we magnify the resurrection tonight. We thank you for it. And Father, these truths about Jesus coming back, we we embrace them, Lord. We, We see Jesus. We see him high and lifted up. So help us do your will right here before you return. We thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' wonderful name. And everybody said amen. You know, it's such an unusual time. As you're turning there to Luke 21, I was preaching in um, Hartford, Connecticut at a, a church I go to, Matt Nalette's the pastor's name. Had a word of knowledge at the end that someone had damage in their thyroid. In fact, they want to put a needle in their thyroid and their back was being healed. Just called it out real quick. I taught on end time, so I had, didn't really have time to call things out really because I was in a hurry. And I said, well, you're healed. You know, no big deal. After the service, this guy walks up to me because normally I have people come down or whatever. He goes, hey, 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 I'm the guy with the thyroid. They want to put a needle on my thyroid. I can feel it in my back seal too. I said, well, man, thanks for coming. Jesus redeemed you. So cool that you got what you came for. Came back the next night. His girlfriend walked up to me and said, you don't understand about my boyfriend last night. The whole time I was preaching, he said about me, he's a con man. He's a con man. He's a con man. So he don't like my preaching, don't like me, still gets healed. 
Amen. It's just God's so cool. I was in Craig, Colorado last week, and uh, I, I was there a few years before preaching, and it felt like somebody wanted to kill me. I thought, well, you know, I must have said something, maybe rubbed somebody wrong. As I was preaching, I thought, man, it just seems like somebody wants to kill me, you know? So I had a word of knowledge at the end. I said, there's someone here who got shot in the eye. And I have weird words of knowledge. I didn't really call anything out this morning, but I was at Scott Webb's church, saw a woman fly fishing, catch the hook in her eye. Uh, she was there. I saw a man get run over by a car. Uh, I was in a church in Bartlesville, saw a woman get poked in the eye with a fork. Her sister had poked her in the eye with a fork. Not a good sister, but anyway. <laughs> so I'm in Craig, and I'm calling things out. The Lord said there was there somewhere that got shot in the eye. I said, there's someone here who got shot in the eye, and nobody came down. In the old days, I would sit down on the thing and wait for him. i just go, I'm not leaving until you come. But I was in a hurry because I'd preached too long, you know. And, uh, I, and I actually forgot about it and called some other things out. Got back to the hotel that afternoon. I was like, man, I forgot about that guy. Colleen and I walked down to the lobby of the hotel to get some coffee. And this guy comes walking in. And he goes, hey, I was coming to the service tonight to kill you. I said, uh, you want some coffee? <laughs> Did you take cream and sugar? What can I do? He, he goes, no, I'm the guy that got shot in the eye. He said, I wasn't going to come down. He said, I was going to kill you in the service. But I thought, I'll come back tonight and make it more dramatic. That afternoon, the presence of God came on him, got, got, came on him, got his sight back, and he called on the name of the Lord. So we're living in a time where the Lord wants to just manifest His mercy. I mean, people that don't like you, people want to kill you, still getting healed. He's just, he trans, transcends all that thought pattern that we have about how merciful He is. I could tell you story after story all night, but I'm just telling you, God set your life up. He set your life up to be, be His arms and His legs right here before we're raptured. So let's get into this tonight, how close we are. Go there to Luke, if you would. Grab your Bibles there. Luke 21, verse 24. We'll do about five minutes, and then we'll kick into the next gear. Luke 21, verse 24. They'll fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive unto all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down or overthrown of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles are fulfilled. Talked about it this morning, the Six-Day War. I didn't get into all the miracles. There's miracle after miracle after miracle. You can Google it. It's called Against All Odds. They interviewed the guys, that I, one of the guys that I even talked about this morning, and they interviewed all those guys, and they don't even believe it afterwards. They said, we don't even believe in this stuff, but something happened. <laughs> it's called a miracle. <laughs> so a miracle after miracle happened to get Jerusalem won back, and Jesus is so sweet. He ties some timing to things that you can physically see, not some kind of sensation. Well, I have a sensation. Well, I do have a witness that the Lord's coming, but he's so sweet. He goes, I'm going to have a whole city won back. So in your lifetime, Jerusalem's won back. And the Lord goes, look, there's some timing on that. Now in the old covenant, you had timing. Remember Methuselah's name? When I die, you all die. How'd you like to have a name like that? When I'm toast, you're toast. <laughs> I would have been checking up on Methuselah. You feeling okay? You got food? Everything all right? <laughs> Well, what happened when Methuselah died? We know what happened when Methuselah died. What? The flood came. The year that Methuselah died, the flood came. So he was a, a marker or a walking timepiece for them. All right? So Jesus is going to give us our timepiece now. He said, you can see Jerusalem one back. Then he gets even more detailed. Look at verse 29. He said, look at the fig tree. That's Israel and all the trees. When they now shoot forth or bud, you see and know of your own selves that summer or harvest is nigh at hand. He said, likewise, when you see these things come to pass, what things? Israel made a nation and Jerusalem one back. The subject is still giving more insight into what he had just said about Jerusalem because that is so bold. I mean, that's so bold to go, oh, by the way, when you see Jerusalem on the back, buckle up, it's over. I mean, so we have, we're living in this season at the fragment of time right before the church age is done. Gosh, we're blessed, aren't we? 
Oh, come on, we're blessed. So the Lord says it like this. Then he says in, in verse 31, Likewise, when you see these things come to pass, know, not wonder, not sense, know that the kingdom of God is nigh at hand. And then he says, Verily I say unto you, this generation will not pass away till all is fulfilled. Wow. And then he gets even bolder. Heaven and earth will be altered, but my words will not be altered. The group that sees this, you're it. And then he gives us a little more. He said, take heed to yourselves, lest at any times your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting or drunkenness or the cares of this life, so that day comes upon you unawares. So you can be living when these radical signs are happening and be unaware. The Message Bible says, don't let the sharp edge of your expectation get dulled by shopping. I mean, there, uh, we don't mean to, but there's so much going on now. We're, we're so active that the sharp edge of your expectation could get dulled. Why, why would the Lord want the opposite of that? He wants you leaning in to do what He wants you to do. Because there's so much to get done in such a short period of time. So Jesus is so sweet, He gives us all these signs. So let's run through them real quick. I know I got into it this morning, but let's buzz through them because we've got more to get into. So you got Israel made a nation in Jerusalem one back. Got the Hebrew language restored. Pretty amazing. Ethiopian Jews brought back. You've got the fertility of the land of Israel. You've got the revival of the Roman Empire. You've got the 172 different species of predatory birds. You've got uh, the, the Temple Mount Institute, which is amazing, in position to start doing sacrifices right in front of our eyes. Isn't it amazing that they're Jewish men, they're not even born again yet, and God's moved on them. Isn't it something he's moved on all these groups to get them in position? What's he doing with the church? Come on, I don't want birds in position, Russian in position, Jewish men in position, the church clueless. No, no, no. I want to, I want to have a heads up of what the Lord wants to do. Amen? If He can get all those other groups in place, how much more us? Because He's in us. Amen? Come on. So we're, we're blessed that he, you're, you're, you're a, a walking a, a, a throne, a mobile throne. God likes mobile homes. Come on. Amen. <laughs> so we're, we're privileged that we see all these things come to pass. Many more signs. I mean, the red heifer came, was just born on the land. You had water in the Dead Sea. There's fish in the Dead Sea. I mean, it's crazy to have fish in the Dead Sea. Pretty radical. So all these tangible, physical things that God said you'd see, you've seen come to pass. Probably the most radical is Russia coming down and completely almost occupying Syria with army bases and air force bases that are manned by Iranian troops. Now, if you got into all the stuff going on in Iran right now, their, their thought pattern every week is we have to remove the rabid dog Israel from the earth. <laughs> That's their verbiage. You, you would think they try to cloak it a little bit and hide it. They don't even try to hide it. <laughs> At least Hitler said, I'm going I'm, I'm to take over the world. He didn't say he's going to kill everybody on the planet. Here, Iran goes, we're going to annihilate Israel. And what they've been doing is shipping missiles from Iran down to Lebanon so that Lebanon can fire those missiles into Israel. They've been doing that for the last few years, and now the missiles are getting more and more sophisticated. So Israel's right at the point right now they're going to have to do something to protect themselves because they're basically armed all around them. And Israel goes, we're not going to let this happen again. We're not going to let a Holocaust happen again. So, so you're watching the setup for what happens right after we're raptured. Okay, so you're looking at all the signs of the tribulation, Islam coming to the forefront. That's the whore of Babylon. You, you doesn't get much more radical. You had NASA say we got asteroids that we can't even, they're acting, they're behaving strangely. And I'm quoting NASA. You had asteroids in December of last year come within the moon and the earth and it wasn't even talked about. One was the size of, of Manhattan. One was the size of the pyramid. So you have all this earth stuff happening. You got, uh, what's the most active area of, of, of earthquakes on the whole planet? This will bless you. Oklahoma, where the wind comes sweeping down the plains. Everybody said, well, it's because of fracking. No, I preach in Midland, Texas. There's more fracking in Midland. There's no earthquakes in Midland. 
but the highest activity of earthquakes in the world. Now, they're what the Ring of Fire has a lot of them out there in Malaysia. Uh, they, they, there was like 40-some-odd in one day, which is pretty amazing. Now, you've got, you've got earthquakes happening all over the earth. But Oklahoma, I moved from Tulsa out to California in earthquakes, moved back from California to Oklahoma, all of a sudden my house starts shaking. I'm like, what's up with this? So, so the earth is making preparation for the coming of the Lord. Nature's making preparation. The 172 different species of predatory birds. So, my friend, there's coming a day. The rapture is signless, but the second coming has sign after sign after sign after sign. There's coming a day where, my friend, the earth's going to, the, the sun will not give its light, the stars will not shine, and nature is going to bow in adoration, and all of a sudden, the brightness of the glory of God's going to come from heaven with you right there behind him on white horses. Come on. Amen. Amen. Yeah, think about it. We're going to go up to heaven and go to horse flying school for a few years, and we're going to come back with Jesus, and you're going to watch the earth. The first coming of the Lord was so in humility. This next time is coming back. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he's Lord to the glory of God the Father. So what an event getting ready to happen. There's some spiritual protocol for that, and that's there. God, God would raise up a voice. Remember in the Old Covenant, he'd raise up uh, prophets. Well, in the New Testament, he raises up the believer. Amen. The believer is supposed to be a voice. Jesus is coming. So let's get into some more things tonight that give us ammunition to be a voice. Because you know what? You can be ordering a cheeseburger and order fries and a Diet Coke. Oh, by the way, the Lord's coming back. I was on a flight one time to Sweden. This lady just looked distraught. And she, I said, what, are you doing all right? She goes, well, I don't know what's going on. I said, I'll tell you what's going on. Israel's made a nation. Jerusalem's going back. Hebrew language restored. Ethiopian Jews were brought back. I said, you're living when all the signs are there for, for Jesus to come. She goes, oh, my God. Went and got a flight attendant. Said, tell him. Told that flight attendant. Went and got another flight attendant. Told him. We had seven flight attendants having a church service on the way to Sweden. Because people, you work with people, know something's up. It's crazy because what? The earth's going through this process of pressure because Jesus is just about to come back. So that means right now in 2018, as we go toward Thanksgiving, go toward Christmas, we focus on, what, Lord, what do you want me to do? This is it. I, I'm enlisting in what you want me to do wholeheartedly. Amen. So what a joyful time for the church. Wonderful time for the church. No bad news for you. Amen. Bad news for the world. Very scary for the world. I mean, for people that don't know Jesus, bless their hearts, because it's not good. Amen? But for us, we're going to be caught up. So we talk about the rapture. It's not because of escape theology. It's because it's a doctrine. God takes the ambassadors off the earth, and you have so much authority, he can't do what he wants to do during that seven-year period because you're here. Paul was real bold about, hey, don't worry. The Antichrist can't come on the scene until you're taken away. You can't have the Christ and the Antichrist here at the same time. The Bible calls you the Christ. What calls the body of Christ Christ? Amen. So it's pretty wild. You carry so much authority. So let's get into this tonight. There's a lot of weird teaching about the rapture, but you've got to go back to the Bible. You can't say, well, you know, Grandma so-and-so in 1870. There's a big teaching, well, the rapture came from 1870-something. No. Enoch was raptured. Elijah was raptured. Jesus was raptured. This was all before the 1800s. Amen. It's a biblical doctrine that God takes people off the planet or moves them. Remember Sodom and Gomorrah? The angel came in there and told Lot, I can't do anything here until I take you out. Is God going to judge the righteous with the unrighteous? Don't think so, uh-uh. So let's get into all the details about this because it sets you free. Truth sets you free. 
We'll, we'll talk about the qualifications for the rapture. We'll talk about the timing of the rapture. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about just different things about it that will bring us peace because we have a wonderful hope to look forward to that he's going to subdue even all things unto himself. Think about it. Every loved one that's already gone home to be with the Lord, think about all of a sudden you're going to be reunited with them. Hallelujah. What a reunion we're going to have. And it doesn't matter how long they've been gone home to be with the Lord. God's going to remake them and give them a brand new glorified body. And they're going to be reunited with it. Isn't that amazing how powerful he is? That with come up hither, come up to the throne of God, bam, brand new bodies all at once. Hallelujah. I can't wait. Isn't it going to be wonderful to get a new body? My weight is perfect. I'm just not the right height. If I was 6'3", everything would be just right. I can't wait to get a new body, never to gain weight again, never to get tired again. And you know, the rapture, things are enhanced, not diminished. You know, sometimes we have this thinking that we're just going to... Uh, the number one question when you do end-time conferences, people go, well, I know my wife or my husband when I get there. I go, well, do you want to? How weird is that? <laughs> Amen. No, things are enhanced. If you play the guitar, you'll play better. If you like to read, you'll read better. Uh, you, you'll carry this life with you. Just certain things will be taken off, and that's the stain or the mark of Adam. And that's what the rapture is about, getting the mark of Adam taken off of you and having the mark of Jesus. We, he will have, we will have a body fashioned like unto his body. Paul said you're going to be clothed from heaven. We're looking forward to getting that clothing. Hallelujah. Amen. So grab your Bibles there and turn over, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians. And we, we talked about the signs there for just a minute. And those are the signs of the second coming. And the rapture is signless. But if you can see how, how the rapture is about seven or eight years before the second coming, so you can tell we're very close to the rapture of the church. Now, people talk about there's a gap or there may be a few years. There's nothing in the Scripture that tells you it's immediate that once we're raptured, they enter into that covenant with the Antichrist. I think it'll take a, a little bit of time, but not long. Because, my, my friend, when you get the salt of the earth taken off the earth, man, the bridge is out. Look how it is right now with the church on the earth. Could you imagine when the church is gone? Woo, giddy up. It's not going to be good. Amen. Thank God we're going up in the first load. Amen. So go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Now, this, Paul's writing this letter to the church at Thessalonica. It's the first letter to the church. What was the theme? The coming of the Lord. And you get into 2 Thessalonians. He was with them two weeks. Guess what he taught on? The rapture the second coming, and the Antichrist. He said, remember, I told you these things when I was with you. So isn't it amazing? God wants us to know this stuff, even though they were a couple thousand years away from it coming. How do we know a couple thousand years? There's a few clues in the Scripture. I mean, we know we have 6,000 years of human history. Jesus gave us three different times where he talked about the church age being two days. He told the Good Samaritan, he said, I'll put him up. After two days, I'll come back for him and I'll pay for whatever he's spent. Two days, I'll be away from him. He told Herod, you tell that fox I do cures today and tomorrow and the third day I'll be perfected. Remember Lazarus, when Lazarus was, was dead? How long did he wait till he went there? Two days. After two days, he went to him. So you got about a 2,000-year church age, and at the end of the service tonight, we'll get into some really detailed numbers to show us how long we are, how close we are. Because Gabriel told Daniel the very year Jesus would come the first time. Let me say that again. Gabriel told Daniel the year Jesus would come the first time, but people weren't paying attention. So we're paying attention, amen? I mean, think about it. We're that Anna and Simeon generation. They were warned of God that they wouldn't die until they saw the Messiah. They kept coming into the, the temple. Where's Jesus? No Jesus. You talk about an opportunity to get frustrated. The Lord tells them they're going to they're gonna see him. They keep going in every single day. No Jesus. All of a sudden, there came Mary and Joseph. Thank God they were doing what they were supposed to do. And man, the Holy Ghost came on him. And he began to prophesy. Hallelujah. Amen. Glory to God. So there, it is righteous 
to be doing what you're supposed to do right before the next event, even if it doesn't seem cool or doesn't seem slick or doesn't seem like we all want Flash or want, you know, all that kind of stuff. We want Elvis. And it's amazing how the Lord will have you do something. It doesn't have to be fanfare, but it's so, just as supernatural as Noah. Just as supernatural as Anna and Simeon. Come on. Ananias was a, a disciple. Jesus appears to him to deliver the gospel to Paul. The whole New Testament was written because a disciple had such a relationship with Jesus that the Lord goes, oh, by the way, I need you to go do something. So God wants to use everybody. Amen. The early church, they were all ignorant and unlearned. Well, I, I'm, I'm in. Come on. The Lord can use us. Amen? Amen? So let's look at this here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Look at verse 13. Verses you know very well, but let's go through it. Verse 13 of chapter 4. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others that have no hope. So the teaching of the rapture is to bring you hope and joy. It's amazing how sometimes we thought the rapture was a teaching to scare people. No, it's for great hope and great joy. Five things about the coming of the Lord. He said, don't be ignorant. <laughs> he said, don't be deceived. Don't be troubled. And, and make sure you don't have, he's writing this so you don't have any sorrow and that you have hope. So all the five things about the coming of the Lord, they're all good news. There's not one time the Lord goes, buckle up, it's going to be bad. No, that's what the devil's taught everybody. He's coming back and he's going to kill everybody. No, he's, he's coming back and his reward is with him. Read it. His reward is with him. Now hang with me. We all wonder why we don't get into the book of Revelation so much. It's because you're not here for the majority of it. It's really a left behind book for the Jews. Well, I got quiet and said that. Let me say it again. <laughs> from, see, people go, well, I don't understand the trumpet judgments and the bold judgments. Those are from Revelation 4 to Revelation 19. You're in heaven, and we'll get into that. You're at the reward seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb. So, so you don't really want to focus on parts that you're not really here for. I, I mean, it's good to see what's going to happen. I remember preaching it in Australia, and the lady running the school there, she said, man, it's like hell on earth, but at least it's better than going to hell forever. So all that pressure that's going to be on the earth during that tribulation is just to get people to make a decision about Jesus. Some people are so hard-headed, they'll wait till the very end of their life. I was preaching up in Canada. 96-year-old man raised his hand, got born again. I was in Saskatoon. I went to the airport the next day. The pastor called me and said, man, that man went home to be with the Lord last night. You talk about cutting it close. You don't want to, you don't want to cut it that close. Amen. <laughs> So people have a tendency to put it off, but during that seven-year period, there's going to be so much pressure, it's going to force them into a, a, a decision. So here Paul's talking about what will happen to us, though. He said, don't be misinformed. Two things not to be misinformed about, the coming of the Lord and gifts of the Spirit. Why? Right before the coming of the Lord, the church has an outflow mentality. Okay, How to get the power through you, not just to you. That went over real good. Being a vessel. <laughs> You know, our generation is what I call the Seinfeld generation. I've talked enough about myself. Now you talk about me. <laughs> All right, we got to get back to the rapture. Here we go. <laughs> All right, so look at the next verse. Look at verse 14. He says, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not perceive them or present, prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself to send from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be with the Lord. Well, he says here, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. I like that he said it like that. In the Greek there, it's the word exhort. It means to call nearer to God. But in their, the way they translate it is because it's comfort knowing you don't have to be here during that seven-year period. 
or he would have said, buckle up, it's not going to be good. You better know your authority. You better get this stuff in you because they're going to try to kill you. See, this letter was written to let them know they thought they were in the tribulation right then. There was so much persecution going on, so Paul said, don't worry, that can't happen until the Antichrist. Until the church leaves, the Antichrist can't even be revealed. So now he's talking about this blessed hope where we're going to be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. The stain of Adam will be taken off of us. The whole purpose of the rapture is for you to get a brand new body. Okay, so let's talk about the different things about the rapture. Number one, okay, in the Old Covenant, you had cherubim that had two wings they cover their face, two wings they cover their feet, and two wings they fly with. Now, they're created to be at the throne of God, yet they still have to shield themselves from His glory. That's pretty radiant. So God's going to get us a brand new body where we can walk in and talk to Him, and it won't freak our rods and cones out. Come on. You'll be able to go in and talk to Him and come out, and you won't have to take Ray-Bans in to go talk to Dad. I mean, how weird would that be, you know, getting ready to meet with Dad? Well, what's that? Well, that's a lot of goggles i got to wear because He's so bright. Well, come on. So God's going to get us this body where we can handle this. And if you want to be technical, uh, look at Jesus when he was raised from the dead. This is amazing. Remember when he was on the road to Emmaus and they didn't know who he was? How cool does the Lord like to do that kind of stuff to kind of shock them, you know? They're walking on the road to Emmaus. What's the first thing you ask them? Why are you guys sad? They said, well, if you lived around here, they crucified our Lord. And the Bible says Jesus would have kept right on walking. They constrained him to stay for dinner. He sat down with them. Listen, he took them through the Old Testament and showed them Jesus. He's sitting right in front of them. I would have gone, nah, 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 nah. I told you I'd be raised from the dead. He's so sweet. He just takes them through the Word. So even with Jesus physically being in front of them, He took them through the Scripture. There's safety in going through the Word. Well, you know, He broke, bread, broke His bread right there and then disappeared. And they're like, wow, it's Him. Did not our hearts burn within us the words that He spoke to us? Wow. What a great lesson to have the resurrection taught to you by Jesus. That's a pretty good deal. So they go back and tell their buddies, and their buddy goes, I don't believe it. Thomas goes, no, nah, you're crazy. And he goes, no, 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 he, he was right there in front of us. We told us all stuff. Da, da, da. No, no, I don't believe it. Thomas goes, until I see the print in his side, see the hole in his hands, I will not believe. Bam, Jesus walks right through the wall. <laughs> don't you love it? Thomas, reach into your hand, thrust it into my side. Be not faithless, but believing. Don't you love that? The Lord knows every word you say. But you know what's cool is they freaked out. They went, oh, he's a spirit. He goes, no, no, handle me. A spirit hath not flesh and bone as you see I have. So it is cool that our glorified bodies will be able to walk through walls and, and you can still be handled. But what's the first thing Jesus said? Do you have any meat? He didn't say, do you have any kale? Didn't say, do you have any broccoli? He said, do you have any meat? Come on. The first thing Jesus said is, where's the beef? Come on. So... He's not, he's not a freak. I mean, we, we, we think of heavenly things as ethereal. The first thing he did was say, handle me, and where's the meat? So he had an appetite, ate food, good food. Amen. Amen. So you're getting ready to get this brand new body that's fashioned like unto his, walk through walls, never get tired again, never gain weight again, glory to God. And you get the, 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 the mortal, the mortality of Adam gets taken off of you. This mortal must put on immortality. That's what Paul talked about in 1 Corinthians 15. Different, different kind of bodies of birds, different kind of bodies of fish, celestial bodies, terrestrial bodies. He said, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet will sound and we'll be raised incorruptible. Wow, what a wonderful day that will be when we hear that trumpet sound. Amen. So we get this brand new body and we're, we're retrofitted to be like him. 
Hallelujah. Amen. So let's look at the qualifications for a minute. Go back to verse 14. So we, get, we need us a new body, so we get a new body. And how do we qualify for this? Verse 14. If we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even though, though them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So the qualifications for the rapture to be in Christ. I hear people preaching today, well, if you don't, don't believe, believe in the rapture, you're not going to go up. Well, the whole purpose of the rapture is not about you. It's about him. See, he is coming back for his body. We have a tendency to think, if I'm cool enough, if I'm holy enough, I'm going to go up. It ain't got nothing to do with you. He purchased you. He made you holy. There's nothing you can do to get more holy. His blood makes you holy. So it takes all the bragging out, just like getting saved. God's so cool. Because, you know, I have friends, you know, they'll have one miracle and they start walking different. Oh, yeah. That's, that's like Barney and Andy Griffin. Oh, yeah. No, no. See, that, that, so you won't be able to go, yeah, I made the rapture. Oh, yeah. No, no. That's what happens, you know. Oh, yeah, I'm so holy. I made the rapture. No, the Lord goes, by the way, there's nothing you can do to get holy enough other than my blood purchasing you. The first thing you're going to see when you get to the throne, you're going to see the rainbow. You're going to see the Father sitting there. And right in front of that, you're going to see a basin. There's a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins where sinners dip beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains. Woo, hallelujah. So he purchased you, and he's coming to get you. The thing about the rapture is he's coming for a specific species, and you're that species that's going to go up. Okay, why, why, why do we talk about this? Because it's, it's our blessed hope. So you, you want to be walking with God right before this happens. I mean, the whole purpose of it is to be, be intensifying your walk with Him. Now, hang with me. My daughter was a cross-country runner in high school. She'd, she'd practice and train. You know, for cross-countries, are five, three to five miles. So you, she trained five or six miles a day and wouldn't even get tired. I would train with her on my motorcycle. <laughs> I'd be right there beside her. And I would be tireder than her after riding the motorcycle. But, you know, I'd get to her cross-country events, and, and they'd be every Saturday morning before I would leave to go preach. And, man, I'd get to her events. I would get to the first mile marker. Lauren would come running up. How far, Daddy? How far, Daddy? I'd go, Lauren, you got three more miles. Pace yourself. I'd cut across the field to get to the next mile marker. How far, Daddy? How far, Daddy? I'd go, Lauren, you got two more miles. Pace yourself. I'd cut across the field to get to the last mile marker. She wouldn't say a word to me. She'd see the finish line. Her countenance would change. All the training was for right there. I've never seen somebody get to the end and go, oh, the finish line. Are we sure it's the finish line? I don't really understand. Could you imagine a runner doing that? Oh, the race is cool, but I can't. How can you really tell that's the finish line? The finish line is the finish line. Come on. And, and once we get into the verses here, we see we're at the finish line, so we accelerate. Amen. I didn't have to tell Lauren to run. I went, Lord, run, Lauren, run. I'm screaming at her. Run, Forrest, run. Because you don't practice all that time to come to the end and chill. Could you imagine? Well, I trained every day for 18 years. What would you do at the race? Well, I got to the very end and kind of ooh, a little exhausted. <laughs> so we're at the viewpoint of the rapture of the church. I had this lady in Galveston, Texas. She said this to me. She said, how dare you say if you're in the body of Christ, you're going up. And I said, well, you know, I, Jesus is just like regular salvation. It's not by work, lest any man should boast. It's by faith. And the Holy Ghost is so sweet. He loves to magnify Jesus. He loves to honor Jesus. You know what the Holy Spirit said to me? He said, tell her, ask her, whose works would she rather trust in, my works or her works? I'm telling you what, I'm not trusting in my works. I'm trusting in his. 
I put my all my faith in what he did 2,000 years ago. So this radical event called the rapture is getting ready to happen. So let's dig into a little bit more. Qualifications are to be in Christ. Or let, let's talk about uh, uh, the only time, this is really bizarre, the only time in the Gospels you hear a hidden reference to the rapture is in John 14. Kind of, kind of cloaked because... If, if you watch it, you'll, you'll, you'll get verses out of context, and, and we don't qualify. Because in the, all of the Gospels, he's talking second coming, second coming, second coming. Matthew 24, when one's taken and one's left, that's at the second coming. That's the opposite of the rapture. The wicked are taken off the earth. So those are not rapture verses, because rapture verses were introduced in the epistles, because it's a mystery. Just like the church age was a mystery, the rapture was a mystery. Not to be kept from you, but to be kept for you. Okay, so listen to this little hidden reference. Hang with me for a minute, because I got I got my, my I'm getting overload on my brain to get into stuff. So just hang with me a little bit. So in John 14, <laughs> Jesus is standing there. He said, "In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you." He said, "I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am there you may be also." Listen, if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. It's amazing that Jesus perfectly fulfilled the law with the Jewish boys, but then he starts bridging the gap into the church age. I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So he told them this that I'm going to prepare a place for you. That was a, a, a ancient Jewish wedding proposal. I mean, how weird is this? He's talking to his staff, and he proposes. I mean, it's not normal for dudes to propose to dudes. Amen? He's standing there with those guys. He goes, will you marry me? I'm sure they probably thought, I knew it. He's been in the sun too long. Uh, It finally got to him. He's lost his mind because he just said, hey, will you guys marry me? In a Jewish tradition, a man will ask a woman to marry him. They're betrothed. The man goes back to his father's house. The father oversees the building of a honeymoon suite for them. And the father tells the son when the room is ready. Now, bless our hearts, we've been taught incorrectly for so long. I interviewed lady after lady after lady. I go, well, how would you know how close it was? I said, would you know how close it was for him to come? She goes, well, of course we would. I go, how would you know? She said, word would come to us that the room is almost done. She said, we didn't want to spend money on all these spices and all this perfume, and it'd be another six months. I go, how would the word come to you? She said, people had just been at the father's house and go, your room's almost ready. Here, he's going to come any minute. I said, well, what, what do you mean? She goes, oh, yeah, every single day someone would give us the word of how close he is. I said, you, you knew almost to the day? She goes, of course we almost knew to the day. So see, we, we've never been taught that. So what would happen was the father would tell the son, your room's ready, and he would run down to get her, and she would hear him shout, and she'd come out to meeting, and that's a picture of the rapture of the church. We've been taught that you can't know when it is, when in fact you pretty much are going to be able to know. He said, he said you're not in darkness that that day would overtake you as a thief. We've been taught you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. How many knew when your wedding was going to be? Did it catch you off guard? <laughs> my, my, my daughter's wedding, we had nine bridesmaids. I'd never worked so hard in all my life. Uh, Lauren goes, this will be a piece of cake, Dad. It was not a piece of cake. It was, it was chaos of all getting everything ready. There was so much to get done, they sent out a letter, save the date. So it didn't, didn't just go, oh, we're married. No, there's preparation. There's a lot of stuff in preparation for us. I mean, the timing of the rapture of the church, we know, oh gosh, I can't believe we'll get into this right now, but hang with me because i got, I got too much coming to me. We know the timing of it, it'll probably be Feast of Trumpets in the fall. Why can we say that? He flawlessly fulfilled all the other feasts. Remember, uh, Passover, he went to the cross on what feast? Now, these feasts weren't, weren't Jewish feasts. They're festivals of the Lord. They're dress rehearsals. So when the real happened, they were like, wow, that's the real deal. <laughs> Why do you have dress rehearsal when to play so that you're comfortable in your outfit? So you don't go, oh my God, you don't freak out. Well, Jesus went to the cross on what feast? Passover. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
All right, the next feast was unleavened bread. He was buried on the Feast of Unleavened Bread. What's that? Three pieces of bread. They'd take the middle piece, they would fold it, they would pierce it, and they would break it. Jesus had a feast to keep. Most people were on the cross longer to be a spectacle not to break the law, but Jesus had a feast to keep. Plus, he had all the sin and sickness of the world on his body, so of course he went home pretty quick. He, cross on Passover, buried on unleavened bread. Remember he said, I am the bread of life. Where was he born? Bethlehem. Bethlehem means home of the bread. Hmm. All right, what was the next feast? The next feast was first fruits. What happened on first fruits? He's raised from the dead. Ooh, hallelujah. How cool is that? Fulfilled them perfectly. All right, 50 days later, what happened? Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was poured out. What's the next, next feast to be fulfilled? It is the Feast of Trumpets. That's the Feast of Gatherings. And there's about six or seven things about the Feast of Trumpets that perfectly, flawlessly show us it's when the rapture will be. Number one, it's the beginning of seven days of awe mirroring the seven years of tribulation. Okay? Another thing about it is it's the beginning of the coronation of a king. You have a private ceremony and then a public ceremony. We get to go to the private ceremony. We're going to be raptured. We're going to be caught up. We're going to go to the throne of God, and we're going to see this ceremony where these crowns are put on him. Ooh, hallelujah. You talk about adoration. You talk about majesty. You talk about pomp and circumstance. You're going to see the private ceremony where the Father presents him to us as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Then all of a sudden, we're going to fly back to the earth with him at the second coming, and then there'll be a public ceremony of him being the king. But that's what Feast of Trumpets is all about. And it's an, another thing about it, a little clue that Jesus gave us. He said, of that day and that hour, no man knows. He was basically telling them, I'm coming back for you on Feast of Trumpets. We never knew that because we weren't taught that. Okay, hang with me. Feast of Trumpets was on the 29.5th day of the month. So the Sanhedrin, it would be a new moon, so the Sanhedrin would send two witnesses out. Tell me if it's today or tomorrow because it was on the 29.5th day of the month. You didn't know if it was on the 29th or on the 30th. So the Sanhedrin would send two witnesses out. We can tell it's a new moon. So it is the Feast of Trumpets. Okay, so when he said that, he was telling them, I'm coming back for you on Feast of Trumpets. The very thing that people have thought he meant the opposite of what everyone thought. And if you want to get real technical, which I can, he told those Jewish boys uh, of that day and that hour, no man knows, the Jews will know the exact date of the second coming. How will they know it? Midway through the tribulation, the Antichrist is going to present himself as God. The Bible calls it the abomination of, of desolation where, that Daniel talked about. That's mid-trib. They'll know they have exactly 42 months left. Read the Left Behind books. They know exactly to the day when the second coming is going to be because that's truth. So we've been taught wrongly about when the rapture is going to be. Now, you know what? I believe it'll be in September on Feast of Trumpets. I believe that we'll be gathering in church. We're talking about it today. I believe uh, Pastor Tony will say, you take the service 7 to 9, you take the service 9 to 11, you take the service 11 to 1, you take the service 1 to 3, you take the service 3 to 5, to where we're taught so well in the Word, we're all doing services because we're about to be caught up. I believe people will be running into church. And, and you talk about a sign. I mean, that's a pretty radical sign to have a billion people disappear. I mean, people are probably going to rejoice, just like I've seen the, the, the darkness lately. I can see that people rejoice, but some people are going to go, oh, my God, the Lord came back for the church. You can't get a much bigger sign than all those people disappearing. It doesn't matter if you're a fellow American college surgeon. It doesn't matter what you have after your name. There's piles of clothes everywhere. Something's up. <laughs> now, hang with me. Don't get mad at me. Now, I want to give you a Bible, okay? Because you don't have to manipulate people to do the will of God. The Bible says the, the greatest harvest happens after we leave. Now, we have a harvest, but the Bible says it's innumerable. 
You can number 200 million men at the second coming, an army, but you can't number the number that gets saved after we're raptured. That's a lot of people. Why? That's a pretty good sign, and God's going to be doing all kinds of fireworks to get everybody's attention. So we have our harvest that the church has, and then they're going to have a harvest that's innumerable during that seven-year period. But thank God we'll be caught up. The timing of the rapture fall. I don't know about you. Every September, I know exactly the time of the Feast of Trumpets, when it starts in Israel, when it stops in America, and I'm walking around, Lord, I love you. I'm, 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 I'm giving him a wave offering the whole, the whole three days, man. So it's a three-day period. So that's why he said you don't know the exact moment, but you can, you, you can know the season. And I'm telling you, I believe that we'll have a heightened awareness that we're about to be raptured. Because he's pretty bold about that day's not going to overtake you. Let me say that again. He's very bold about saying that day will not overtake you. Isn't it sad we were never taught that? We're taught, well, you can't tell when the Lord's coming back. So we're very, very blessed. But let's talk a little bit more about this because there's so much that you can get into for a minute. But I want to talk about probably the main thing that happens for us right after the rapture is the reward seat of Christ. You know, we focus on the rapture, which we're going to be, be evacuated, which is very cool. How, how awesome is that going to be? I mean, think about if you can even visualize uh, boom, we're, we're instantly in the presence of the Lord. Amen. He said, so shall we ever be with the Lord. Woo, glory to God. But the, the thing that you have an appointment, the reason why you can't be here during the tribulation is you've got to go to the reward seat of Christ. And I say the reward seat because it's quoted in the Bible as the judgment seat of Christ. That's a mistranslation. Okay? It's the Greek word bema, B-E-M-A. It means reward seat. Just like in the Olympics, the, the word bema came from where guys would stand to go get their medals. Have you ever seen someone in the Olympics afraid to go get their medal? No. All the work they put into it, they're thrilled to get their gold, silver, or bronze. So all of a sudden, you're going to go to the reward seat of Christ. The Bible says that what you've done for the Lord while you're on the earth, that day will declare it. It'll preach for you. Now, at the reward seat of Christ, He's going to examine your works, not your sin. Your sin was laid on Jesus. He's going to examine your works at the motive of your heart. Isn't it cool that He wants to check out your motives? And the, the motives that were wrong will be wood, hay, and stubble. And the ones that are right will be gold, silver, and precious stones. All the things that are above the ground, wood, hand, stubble, probably what you're, you're, you see people do and they won't get a reward for. It's what you don't see them do. It's the attitude of the heart. When you, when you go to open the door for somebody, no one sees it, the Lord sees it. He wants to bless you and reward you. Oh, come on, my friend. At that day, all of a sudden, the fire of God's going to hit your life. Everything you've ever done with the right motive, you're going to have a reminder of it throughout eternity. You're going to clothe yourself with your faithfulness. Your gold and your silver you'll put all over your body. You'll be dressed in the millennium indicative to how faithful you were during the church. Age. Now, you won't be jealous. You won't go, man, check out their robe. How cool is that? You'll go, oh, wow, they did the will of God. Just like in the military. You have a lot of military here. You go up to a general. You know, I'm on planes all the time. I've never walked up to a four-star general. How you doing, buddy? Were you faithful? No, that, I, that guy would be an idiot, amen? <laughs> idiot, moron. No, his uniform preaches to you that he was faithful. He even has badges of valor all over his heart right here. He doesn't have to say a word. His uniform preaches for him. You want to make sure during the millennium you don't have a Speedo bathing suit on. You only go, aha, did nothing during the church age. You don't, you don't want people at the reward seat of Christ go, did you see that fire? <laughs> I've, I've never seen so much wood hand stubble in all my life. Guys will be punching you, like, who was that? God, woof, what was that? No. But what's amazing is even the things that you did for the wrong motive, he's going to burn it up right there. So that all of a sudden you'll adorn yourself with your faithfulness with what's left. You want gold, silver, and precious stones. Gold's your devotional life. The Bible says the tongue of the just is pure silver. Your words either encourage or discourage. Make sure everybody you come in contact with, you lift them up with your words. 
many more things there, but that's, that's why we have to be raptured. You have an appointment. You go to the reward seat of Christ, and then we go to this marriage supper where you're going to be adorned for this, this dinner like you ain't never seen before. You'll have little sashes right here pastoring in the last days, little sash right here uh, doing things that no one saw you do, just being faithful, little things all over your uniform. People go, aha, did the will of God. Glory to God. I think of my dad. You know, He, he mocked God, cursed God his whole life, and uh, right before he died, he, he, he had a stroke. I went into the to the emergency room, Dad, time for you to get saved. And he got born again right there and then went home to be with the Lord. You talk about sliding in. I'm going to be throwing robes at him, man, because he, he didn't have time to do anything for the Lord. Amen? So he's going to have this little bitty skimpy outfit. I'm going to go, Dad, Dad, come on. Borrow some robes from somebody. But, but isn't it wonderful? We still got time to do something. We got time to get some things done here. So let, let, let's, let's be all in. Yeah, the rapture is coming very, 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 very soon. But just think about what we can do. You think of John Wesley. <laughs> what did he leave his wife when he went home to be with the Lord? A cool preaching robe, a few pound notes of money, and the Methodist church. He said, give me ten men that hate sin and love God, and I will change the world. I guarantee you, you you'll, you'll know what he's wearing. There'll be some stuff all over him. How cool is that? So we're, we have a destiny right here to, to finish off this deal. We see the finish line. Let's do it. So let's, let's buzz over to Daniel. Let's get into a little bit more. Uh, and let's, let's finish up on the rapture because I want you to see something about how, how God sets this up. Go to Daniel chapter 9, if you would. I know this is a lot of information here at Daniel, but it's really, really probably some of the coolest verses in the Bible. When you get into it, it's just like, oh, my Lord, this is awesome. So, so go to Daniel 9. It's page 905. If you've got a Bible like mine. Remember, it's okay to write in your Bible, dirty Bible, clean Christian. Clean Bible, dirty Christian. Everybody look around. Come on. Well, it's good to see some marks. Good to, good to see some stuff in your Bible. All right. Come on. So look at Daniel 9. Now, this is tons of, of info for a minute, so just mentally run with me because I want you to get how cool God is. This is amazing. So run with me to Daniel 9, verse 1. He says, In the first year of Darius, which was the son over whatever that was, which was the seed of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by books the number of years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. And so he goes, I set my face on the Lord God to seek by prayer and supplication with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. So Daniel's trying to find out why they were in captivity. He was smart enough to go back to the book. So they were in captivity for how long? 70 years. He went back and found out they were supposed to let the land rest every seven years. Guess how long they fudged and didn't do that. They started planting in that, in that year, nothing happened. Planted in that year again the next time it came around. They fudged for 490 years. God's so amazing. He goes, hey, coach, no problem. I'm going to make you pay back the land what you owe it. So he let them go into captivity to pay the land back the 70 years they owed it. Man, I'm glad we live in this dispensation, aren't you? Come on. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Well, hallelujah. Amen. So, so they missed it for how long? 490 years. Remember Jesus? Peter said, how many times do I forgive somebody? 70 times 7, 490 times. They missed it for 490, so watch what Gabriel says to him to make things so clear about Jesus. Look at Daniel 9, now look over at verse 23 it is. At the beginning of thy supplication, these are some of the most cool verses in the Bible. At the beginning of thy supplication, the commandment came forth. I'm come to show you're greatly beloved, therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. Seventy weeks are seventy seconds of seven, or 490 years, he just says it a little different there, are determined upon who? Thy people, the Jews, and upon the holy city, Jerusalem. What? To, to finish the transgression, 
to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. So Gabriel goes, you missed it for 490, God's given you another 490. Pretty amazing. He just goes, hey, you guys missed it for 490 years? The Lord's so cool, he's going to give you another 490. All right. Now here in a second, he's going to come and tell them the exact date when Jesus is going to come. So go down a little further there. Look at verse 25. Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince shall be a certain amount of weeks. And I'm going to add them up for you so you don't have to do it. So he basically said, when you hear the proclamation to rebuild Jerusalem until Jesus comes, it's going to be a certain amount of weeks. Now this is pretty crazy. King Artaxerxes looked at Nehemiah. Nehemiah was bummed out and depressed. He said, hey, what's wrong? He goes, Jerusalem's overthrown. He goes, don't worry, we're going to rebuild Jerusalem. Gabriel said, when the proclamation goes forth to rebuild Jerusalem, the clock's going to start and Jesus is going to come after 483 years. So King Artaxerxes makes the decree, we shall rebuild Jerusalem. The clock starts. Gabriel says, from the time that clock started until the Messiah comes, it's going to be 483 years. All right, Jesus comes riding into Jerusalem on that donkey. They, he, they basically, he hadn't really said he was the Messiah. Even John said, go, go, go ask him if he's the one. He said, well, go tell him what you see and what you hear. Because they kind of, he's got, about to get his head cut off, and he's like going, man, is he really the one? So Jesus said, go tell him what you see and what you hear. But there came a day, man, when he rode in on that donkey in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, they laid the palm branches down. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They said, oh, man, don't let him do that. You're admitting you're the Messiah. He said, if they didn't do it, the rocks would cry out. Because what was it? 483 years from when that commandment came forth. Remember, God gave them 490. Jesus came after 483. There's seven years of Old Covenant time He owes them. That's the tribulation. He takes the church off the earth and repays them those seven years that He owes them. It's amazing the flawlessness of God. So he comes after 483 when he told them they had 490. He takes the church off the earth, pays them back for those seven years. During that seven years, he puts all this pressure on them so he can present himself just like Joseph presented himself to his brethren at the very end. You're watching the earth get ready for all of this. I mean, it's everything you're watching. Saudi Arabia and Jordan, the Bible says, don't come down on Israel in the Ezekiel 38 war. And just in the last year, they've made friends with Israel. Jordan's always been semi-friends, but Saudi Arabia is letting Israeli F-15s refuel over their airspace. Two years ago, they would have shot them down. I mean, it's just bizarre. <laughs> so, so you're watching nation after nation get set up for what the Scripture said 2,700 years ago, what it would look like. Man, we should be thumping each other. 2,700 years ago, Ezekiel prophesied about what it looked like right now, and you've watched it unfold right in front of your eyes. So the rapture of the church is coming very soon. I think we've got a little bit of time left. I don't think a lot of time. But, I mean, when you see the finish line, you don't, you don't critique it like I said, nah, yeah, it's a cool finish line. Oh, great finish line. I love that finish line. Woo. No, no you, you don't get caught up in the finish line. You get caught up in accelerating. Because nowadays, people don't want to critique it. Well, well, how can you be sure? Well, uh, how many signs do you need? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay. Uh, Jesus said, if you see two of them, you're the generation. So we're so privileged that we're going to be caught up. What a doctrine that we, God will take the ambassadors off the earth. Last year, uh, Israel thought there was a war getting ready to break out, and they took their ambassadors out of Turkey. The first people they evacuate are the ambassadors. 
So it's not an escape theology. You happen to have somewhere you have to be. If you're going to the reward seat of Christ, marriage supper of the Lamb, we go to this wonderful gathering, then all of a sudden, man, we see the heavens fold back their light. And we see uh, it, like a scroll, Jesus stands there. And the glory that's in his face will be the light of the front of this train, man. And we're going to be on white horses. Hallelujah. You know, I've, I've been bucked off of horses. I've flown airplanes. I've been on motorcycles. I've jumped on motorcycles. But I've never flown a horse. <laughs> so I don't know what the, the detail is for lean left trigger. Here we go. <laughs> I mean, just the whole, uh, it, it is amazing that all this stuff's going to happen. And you're so close to it. So as a church, I believe God's going to give Pastor Tony, Pastor Jeanette, just impartation. This is what we do. This is, this is the direction we're going to go. Let's hustle. Let's go. And let's just be all in because this is what it's all about. Could you imagine? Could you imagine all the info we have about how near we are and just kind of being casual about it? No, no, no. We're, we, we, we lean in. Like, Lord, what do you want me to do? Now, hang with me for a second. I'm going to close right now. I preached way too long, but you guys are so sweet. There's a bunch more you can get into there about Daniel. He gives, he gives the timing of the seven-year period, midway through the seven-year period. He, he says the Antichrist is going to go in and say that he's God. How sad is that that the Jews think he's the Messiah and he ends up being the devil? I mean, what a bummer. <laughs> you think he's the Messiah midway through. <laughs> wow, this is not good. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's like, yikes, this is a, we missed it on this deal. But uh, uh, So it talks about that midway through the tribulation, he'll do that. And then the last part of the tribulation. Uh, man, it's not going to be good for people that are on the earth. Wow. And by, in fact, the Bible says there's silence in heaven for 30 minutes because we're, we're over what's happening on the earth. Pretty radical. But hang with me just a second. I was in a meeting years ago up in Colorado, and I went to do it with another minister. You know how you have kind of sometimes team meetings like that? And my buddy was going to do the luncheon as we got there, and I'd preached that morning, and he was going to do the luncheon. Man, ministers came from all around to come to that luncheon, and uh, it was exciting. I liked it because I could smell the barbecue. I walked in, I go, man, that smells good. And all of a sudden, I had a vision as I got there. I saw a friend of mine, a pastor that I know. I'm sitting in the back of the boat, and I'm watching him slalom ski. I mean, I was in the mountains, and I'm watching this guy water ski. How weird is that? He's slalom skiing. I grew up on the lake, so I'm thinking, man, he's doing really good. I mean, he's, he's leaning way out like you're going around buoys. And I heard the guy preach before he preached it. This is a word of wisdom. I heard him preach out of Hebrews 13, laying aside every weight and every sin that would so easily beset us. I thought, man, here I'm watching this guy water ski. How wild is this? You know how in the old covenant, Elisha said, went not my heart with you when you joined yourself to the chariot? I'm sitting there in the back of the boat with this guy watching him ski. And then I heard the guy preach what he's going to preach before he preached it. So guess what? We get there to lunch, and he gets up, and he starts preaching out of Hebrews 13. I'm like, oh, Lord. I thought, wow, that's kind of wild. So I thought, well, I won't do anything. I'll just let the other guy do it, you know. Then the pastor got up and said, Joe, you got something? I said, well, I guess I do. And I, I said, let's all, maybe we got things in our life we need to get rid of, you know. And I was looking at that guy, and, uh, and he was going along with it, you know, no big deal. So we, we took a minute to consecrate and dedicate, just kind of make a fresh commitment to do the will of God. So we can run faster. You know what I mean? In the old days, we'd come down and people would hit us over the head. I was in those meetings where they'd go, kapow, do the will of God. And I'm like, wow, is that necessary? <laughs> if it's necessary, it's necessary. Amen. So we took a minute to do that without getting hit over the head, okay? So I was kind of watching this guy as we're going along with it, you know, and he was, he was going along right with it. So that was all it was to it. I can still remember what the Lord said to me. He said, never apologize for your message. He said, be bold. Said, okay. So afterwards, I ran a beeline up to that guy. I said, hey, man, you've been water skiing lately? He goes, nah, nah, I've been too busy. I thought, well, you know, I can miss it, man. I can miss it by a mile. But I did hear the guy preach on what he's going to preach on before he preached on it. 
So we got out in the van with that minister, you know, and I, I said, dude, I heard what you preached on before you preached on it. He goes, yeah, what was it? I said, uh, uh, you preached out of Hebrews 13. I said, I heard you do it. And I was in the boat before the service watching this guy swallow ski. And that friend of mine had a mustache back then. He started grabbing his mustache. I said, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. I said, what? What's the deal? He said, I went up to that guy and asked him to come to the meeting tonight. He said, oh, man, I'm too busy. I'm going into Denver to get me a new water ski. Well, someone on his staff bumped him and said, man, didn't you hear what the Lord tried to say to us? You might need to lay aside some of that skiing. He said, oh, man, Jesus would have to appear to me before I do that. Now, the Lord didn't want him to quit skiing. The Lord wants you to be the best skier on the planet. The Lord loves you to have a blast. Let me just say this. During the millennium, preaching in Nebraska, the Lord told me, tell them in the millennium, you've never seen a roller coaster until you see one during the millennium. Dude, you ain't, trust me, the millennium's going to be a lot more natural than you think. You've never seen a roller coaster until you see one during the millennial age of Christ. Rock and roll, amen, come on. Well, the Lord wants that guy to ski. He wants him to ski better than everybody. He wants him to be the best skier on the planet. Just don't put it ahead of your call. So, you know, uh, here the Lord tried first with the Word, Hebrews 13. Second was with, with, with gifts of the Spirit, Word of Wisdom. Preaching on what he's going to preach on before he preached on it, and then someone on the guy's staff. Now, hang with me. 50 years ago, I don't think the Lord would have gone to so much trouble, but we're so close to being caught up. The Lord's like, hey, make sure you got everything out of your life that might keep you from running fast. Right. I mean, I love golf, but I don't think about my swing when I'm, when I'm preaching. If I'm thinking about my swing when I'm preaching, something's out of whack. There's probably things we got in our life that aren't necessarily really bad, they're just out of whack. If, well, that went over real good. Good night, everybody. Drive safely. All right, start the car. I'll be right there. Come on. <laughs> Oh, the Lord loves you so much. He wants you super excited, but get everything out that would hinder you. Even if it's a mindset, even if you thought, well, I don't really believe in the rapture, rip that stuff out and let truth set you free. Because Enoch was raptured. Elijah was raptured. Elijah, Elisha, uh, uh, <laughs> Elisha, they came to him and said, hey, don't you know your masters are going to be taken? They knew the day Elijah was going to be raptured. The sons of the prophets said, yeah, I know it. Shut up. <laughs> So if you can have revelation in the old covenant, the day is going to be caught up. What do you think about the new covenant? So soon and soon, very soon, we'll be caught up. Now, I, I think it's a little bit of a ways away. I think we've got a few more years. I don't know exactly how many years, but the closer I get, the more excited I am. Because I can sense I'm about to see my king. It's not about not being here during the tribulation. I have so much authority. I mock lack. I mock disease. Mm, come on. Come on, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. So I, I, I w it wouldn't scare me at all to be here during the tribulation. I'm just not supposed to be. So you have so much authority, <laughs> you would dictate what happens during the tribulation. You'd stop asteroids with your word. Now hang with me, and I'm stopping right now. Don't let what's happened in the last few years, there's been a thing creeping into the body of Christ about going through storms perfects you. Going through hell does not perfect you. If going through hell made you a better Christian, you'd be glowing in the dark at night. Come on. Amen. Think about it. If, if going, if, but, but people will romance it and go, oh, the, you know, the hell's there to teach me a lesson. No, the hell's there to get you to back away from your boldness. You get so beat up that you, you don't have that edge. That's what I'm saying. I don't mind being here during the tribulation because i got authority. Mm. There should be a dominion mentality in the church, and even more as we uh, see that day approaching. So all these verses about the, the wonderful catching away of the saints is to bring you hope and joy. Great hope, great joy. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. How can you have any strength if you don't have any joy? God saw you. He said you'd know your God. You'd be strong, and you would do exploits. 
Your strength is tied to your joy. Now, you guys are so cool. You guys are so cool, so he's a priest too. But you, the church, we should be so happy that people will be telling us, break that pill in half. <laughs> people, should, people should be going, I don't know what it is about you guys, but you guys are sure happy. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm set free. I've got, I'm redeemed. I've, I've got the name of Jesus. I've got the word of God. And I'm about to be evacuated to the reward seat of Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb. So what we do is what he said there. We comfort one another. We exhort one another. We call near to God. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. That's our verbiage. Jesus is coming. There's a lot more revelation you can get about the rapture, but it's just an event where he takes us off the earth because we have an appointment to be at. And man, how cool is that, that reward seat? We'll see that fire hit your life. No bonfire. It'll be gold, silver, and precious stones. We don't want people going back up. You don't want the angels to you know, step back a little bit. Ooh, for sure. <laughs> No, you, you, want, you want a good bonfire. So with that story I told you about that guy in Colorado, he's a good guy and loves God, but God just wants you to make sure you have your priorities right. Ski, be the best skier, be the best golfer on the planet, be the best basketball player, but don't put it ahead of doing the will of God. So let's get our priorities. Why don't we bow our heads for just a